0: Romans chapter 11, verse 11, it says this. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Please pray with me. So, Father in heaven, as we part the pages of Scripture, we ask for you to please open up our understanding, Lord. Help us, Lord. You wrote these things, and... We need to comprehend, we need to understand what you're trying to tell us. Help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Help us too, Lord, as we strategically study through this entire book to know and to understand more and more that you have a plan for the Jews, that you have not written off Israel entirely. Lord, and for us today, predominantly Gentiles in the Christian church, we ask that you would use us, that we might... Be used of you to provoke the Jews to jealousy. Help us to understand what that means. Help us to pray through that. And Lord, last but not least, Father, you are the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Lord, as we ponder today on Father's Day, some of us are maybe hurting within, Lord. We ask that you would please be that merciful Father as you are. Comfort each and every one of our hearts through whatever it is we're going through. Minister to us, encourage us, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You guys could have a seat if you would, please. So back in chapter 10, just the previous chapter, Paul quoted from a passage. I'm going to display it on the screen. He actually quoted this passage, and it's from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 21. I'm going to read this to you. This is part of the verse. It says, But I will provoke them... To jealousy by those who are not a nation, I will move them to anger by a foolish nation. So what Paul's doing is he picked out this peculiar passage from Deuteronomy of provoking the Jews to jealousy by guess who? By you and I, as Gentiles, that Moses prophesied in Torah, in the book of Deuteronomy, there's going to be a time were those that they're like nothing that the Jews would consider and that's how many of us them consider us today God's going to provoke them to jealousy you and I have a ministry to provoke Jews to jealousy so then Paul now applies this here in the book of Romans no one else is doing it like this he's applying it to describe how Israel has rejected the gospel the good news of salvation through Yeshua being Messiah and They rejected him, but now Gentiles are receiving the gospel and they're getting saved. And he tapped into this fact. Paul certainly knew he was the apostle to who? He's it to us, the apostle to the Gentiles. And so you and I need to know that this describes the prophetic times that you and I live in. You may not have known, but praise be to God, God willing, that today, maybe you can understand this, and I can understand this a little more, that you and I are living in these prophetic times, as prophesied, and as described here in Romans 10 and 11. So you and I live in this time, folks, where God's going to provoke the Jews to jealousy through you and through me. This is the day and age that was prophesied for you to live in and to receive Yeshua as not just Savior, As your Messiah, too. This Jewish Messiah. He didn't become a Gentile. He stayed a Jew. So you and I live in this time of God provoking the Jews to jealousy. If you're wondering, what's my calling in life? What are some of the ways, some of the facets you will utilize my life? Especially here in New York City. I came from Southern California. There was a lot of Jewish people I knew. Hardly anybody understood Judaism. What I now know I see how they lived, including a lot of my friends. They had Jewish names. They may have had Jewish DNA-ish, kind of. No one could really trace it back to their their lineage, many of them today. And they weren't very Jewish. Maybe they were physically Jewish from birth, kind of like me. I have a Japanese last name, but I'm not really Asian. I'm mixed. By the way, if you see an Asian with hair on their arms, you know they ain't really Asian. They're mixed. I'm am a I'm a mutt. <laughs> That's kind of how it is. So for many of the Jews, though, that I grew up getting to know, including many of my friends in schools, they really weren't that Jewish. But for you and I today, here in New York City, there's a lot of zealous Jews. Any of you guys know that? I live in Williamsburg, in South Williamsburg. There's a lot of Orthodox Jews, Hasidic Jews, only one branch of Orthodox Judaism. Very zealous. And this is the era that you and I live in. You and I live in these prophetic times. The times where God is going to provoke Jews to jealousy. By who? Point. By you. Even by me, God willing. So as you and I learn this, there's a few things before we go on. I want us to ponder this passage that Paul is actually picking out from this old covenant time. There's a few things that we should discover and discuss here. Number one, It's God doing the work. So I don't want you to think, leaving here, all right, I got to go do what I can to make Jews jealous. And by the way, we're not talking about like the sin of jealousy. Like, ooh, I got a Louis Vuitton person. You don't. (laughs) Did you see her shoes? Ooh. (laughs) Not, Not that kind of jealousy. That's a worldly, carnal kind of jealousy. This is a spiritual jealousy. So no, number one, it's God that does the work. Look what he says. I will provoke Notice that. Please know that. So God does the work. He says, I will provoke them to jealousy. So God is the one doing the work to provoke Jews to jealousy by the Gentiles, by you. It's important to know because it's not you that has to do the work. It's not you showing off how much Torah you know. That's important. Can I personalize it for myself to illustrate very plainly and shortly? When I came here from California, I came from the Bible college I would teach on staff. Uh, my personal favorite thing to learn in the Old Testament was the tabernacle. I would dig in. I loved to see Messiah in the Torah. That became a personal passion of mine. So beside my regular studies and classes that God had me teaching, I would dig in. It was just a strange phenomenon for me. I would stay up late, not sleep much. Like Those are high coffee times for me. And I, I found myself really digging in to the scriptures to see from these Jewish scriptures how it points to Messiah. And I was amazed at what God was showing me. Not by reading commentaries, but just by reading the Bible and praying. And pondering with them. What does this mean? And then seeing Messiah. That's why I love I'm passionate about that. And when I moved here, I started thinking, alright God, rock on, let's get it on. Come on, there's all these Jews that are here. I, you could visually see who's Jewish here. California, they would blend right in. Why? They're not very Jewish. I'd be sitting there, I could maybe eat shrimp next to them. Any of you guys know, they won't eat shrimp. Anybody know they're not going to eat cheeseburgers, right? <laughs> they don't mix the milk with the meat, so to speak. But it's God that's doing the work. I came here thinking like, all right, so I've been equipped. I know the scriptures. I know specific things within Torah to be, I could refute these things. It's it's not hard to do. It's the wrong attitude though, the wrong attitude. So I came here thinking, it was me that's going to provoke the Jews jealousy. They're going to be so jealous. Like I know Torah better than them. It points to Messiah. Oh, I can refute any of them. I don't care if it's a rabbi or a scholar. It's, it's not hard to do. But the problem was I had the, I had the wrong attitude. Okay. <laughs> so that's you. Just be like I did. Pray and repent. I'm sorry, Lord. You're the one doing the work. He says, I will do this, right? I. Will provoke them to jealousy. He just wants to use you. It's not how much Torah you know. And it's not by you keeping Torah. It's also not how you dress. There's some Christians, some Gentile Christians that think, I gotta Jew out, man. I gotta totally dress. You guys haven't seen them? Sometimes they go crazy. They like totally Jew out, dressing like a Jew, thinking, man, that's gonna draw attention. They can do that if that's your personal want or desire, but don't think that's going to make Jews jealous. This is not what God is saying, that you got to be more Jewish than them. That's not what this is saying. So God is the one doing the work. You don't have to dress like a Jew with your clothing. It's not also showing off how much money you make. I think some of us in Christianity, we get it so wrong that Jews will look at us today and go, wait a second, there's these TV preachers. They're mentioning if you... Believe in Jesus as Messiah. You pray and you receive salvation through him. You're going to have a jet like this guy or you're going to have a bazillion dollars. They look at that and it's pretty easy for a a Torah-abiding Jew to look at that. That's idolatry, man. So they look at us. They think that's us. And they think that a lot of American Christians are into idolatry. They're into self-worship. They worship money. And they think, I want nothing to do with that. All you got to do is read the scriptures from the start and you realize God condemns that. And so that's a bad picture of Christianity. So don't think it's by you showing off how much money you can have. I could be more successful. I'm not saying that's any of you. I'm saying that some of us, I think in Christianity in the body of Messiah, we might think that that's how we're going to stir Jews to jealousy. And that's not what God is saying. So no, God does the work. Also, What God uses to save Gentiles or to save the Jews is Gentiles. Okay. God uses saved Gentiles. God does the work, but also God uses saved Gentiles. Notice he says, I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. God wants to use us Gentile Christians to provoke Jews to jealousy. Can I just say at this juncture, will you allow God to use you that your life through their Messiah, who's Jesus from the tribe of what? Judah. That this Jewish Messiah that you've received, their Messiah from their scriptures, (laughs) their God, can you allow God to use you that He might put your life on display wherever you are, wherever you live, wherever you work, your neighbors, your friends, chances are, just living out here, you probably have dozens of Jewish people all around you. The vast majority of which have not received Yeshua or Jesus as Messiah. And if you know that, know that. It's not very common. But God uses saved Gentiles. Why? It's so that Jews could be saved as well. It's His Messiah. Also, number three, Jews may get angry. Have you ever encountered that? You're sharing. You share the love of Jesus. It's Like, well, I don't think I should do that again. I just got a big verbal slap. What does he say here? We forget this. So it's great to look at Scripture. This is what Paul quotes. But I will provoke them to jealousy. By those who are not a nation, I will move them to anger. Do we forget to read that part? Jews may get angry. Hey, Paul, the apostle certainly knew this. If you're tracking along, remember when we went through and you read in the book of Acts? He's talking to some Jews. I'm paraphrasing the story. Hey, we're going to turn to the Gentiles. As soon as he says that one word, Gentiles, like, ah, like a dirty word. ah, rip the robe. Ah, can't take that word. Oh, no way. This is our God. He's not for the Gentiles. So he says, I'll move them to anger. You and I need to know Jews might get angry. Don't let that stop you. We're going to talk about the next point, which helps with that as well. This word for anger could also mean enrage. Paul knew this as he would share about Yeshua being Messiah for not just Jews, but also for who? Gentiles. That would enrage the Jews. Wait a second. They need to keep Torah. That's not fair. I live my whole life and you're saying all you can do is pray and repent. No. <laughs> so Paul knew. The Jews might get angry. They may get enraged, with this word. So don't be surprised if this happens to you as well, that you're sharing the love of their Messiah with Jews, and they may get angry. The next thing I want to say, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. I'm going to say it again. This message to me. Don't take it personal. Because when you share with a Jewish person, if they get angry with you, You need to remember to not take it personal. Once more, God says, what? I will move them. Wait a second, God. (laughs) You might move them to anger. They get maybe angry and rage. Maybe it might stir up more dialogue. And by them seeing how you respond, listen to what I'm saying. By them seeing how you respond, they throw flash at you, angry, enraged. And you respond with grace. That confuses a lot of people. How many of you Christians know that? That flesh only begets flesh. Usually one person in a discussion, you want to call it a heated discussion? One person starts raising their voice, what happens to the other one? I'm going to raise it even more. And now you know, why are we fighting? I don't know. It's just a head-to-head to debate. Head to if you ever had a brother or sister growing up, who had a brother or sister growing up? You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know you're wrong, but you don't want to give in. After the first couple minutes of shouting, Why are we fighting? You're all this dialogue going within your head. You forget why you're fighting because now you're discussing side issues, right? (laughs) And by the way, remember to close the refrigerator door. You're like you're just yelling. Now why are you fighting? I don't know. (laughs) So you get into head-to-head debate. Pride gets in there. Don't take it personal. So Paul knew that as Jews would get enraged. And throw flesh at them, respond. This happens all the time for us Christians. And God's giving you an open door. He's giving you an open door opportunity. That when people, Jew or Gentile, respond to you in the flesh, you need to respond in the Spirit, with God's grace. And it confuses people, doesn't it? That's something that only a born-again, spirit-filled Christian can do. Do you know that? So Jews are used to arguing back and forth, within their culture even, as you're discussing in business, arguing over price. They call it what? Haggling. So you guys know that, right? The hagg- they, they consider you an idiot if you don't haggle price. If you just take your, your retail price, you see people that come in the store like, "Uh, how about $10? Ah, oh, that's crazy. I work hard for ah the- oh. Eight. Okay. <laughs> it's funny how that is. I even tried that with some of the Jewish folks, and you can't you go in a department store, that's different. They have set prices. But that's within their culture. They'll, they'll argue about things. But when they're like that with you, and you're sharing the love of Yeshua, their Jewish Messiah, and God has them respond with anger or rage. Again, don't take it personal. Just know that God's telling you beforehand, this might happen. But when, when they do, they respond like Paul the Apostle did with grace. Oh, Lord, give me power. Help me to zip the lip because I want to just chew this guy out. God loves you. (laughs) And when you respond with grace, that confuses people, doesn't it? Because it comes from heaven through Yeshua to you, to them. The grace of God becomes tangible, becomes apparent, palpable. God uses you to show people that he exists. But people need to hear that. And see that. And know that. Don't they? They need to know that. So don't take it personal. Know that God told you ahead of time. So going back to this. Know that the treasure of scripturing knowledge. Treasure of scripture knowledge. TSK as some call it. Says this about provoke them to jealousy. Rather to provoke or excite them to emulation. That God might provoke or excite them to emulation. They might look at you and go, oh, that's crazy. You believe in this Messiah who you hold is Jewish. You love my people. You love the Hebrew scriptures more than I do. I've seen that personally happen. I I go to a dentist in Williamsburg, an Orthodox Jewish dentist. He'll look at me and like Mr. Segawa, he he'll, sometimes, he'll call me like the temple guy or red heifer guy. Cause I talk to him about in Torah. Some <laughs> of you guys know this. I love this going, I love prepare. I'll like look up cause he'll ask me. So anything new with the red heifer? Cause he tells me that I grew up learning these things. That I share with them. I have a love for your people. I didn't start off like that. I would just open up conversation as the weeks and months went on. I, I love studying the scriptures and I'll, I'll share with them through Jewish words, Jewish sentiments. So instead of Christ, I'll use the term what? Messiah. Okay, That's because Christ is a dirty word. Any of you guys know? For a lot of Orthodox Jews, Christ is a dirty word. Christian is a dirty word. We went over some of the reasons why in the previous Sundays. You can go back and listen to some of those messages. So you can help provoke them to jealousy. I would go to my Jewish doctors or those that I was close enough. God opens up a door. And share with them, respect them. And even share with some of them, you know, I wish I grew up Jewish or going to Jewish school, learning Hebrew. And almost always, I work at a place where I see people come in the line and, and I'll connect with them. And I could tell some of them, they'll, maybe they'll wear a t-shirt or something that, that mentions the fact that they're Jewish. Oh, you studied, I, I studied Torah too. And they look at me, oh, they don't expect that. And if you try that and it's like, it throws them off and now you got maybe their ears. Oh yeah, I love studying your people. I'm Japanese kind of ish. There's nothing in the scriptures that mentions Japanese people, but I study you and your people. And now all of a sudden you're coming to them instead of being that Christian that wants to preach at the moment where you come over here. build a bridge of communication. You walk over that bridge and go to them and you'll be surprised at what God can do. Pray for those open doors. So anyhow, let's continue on. Let me give you some practical pointers, though, before we go on, of how you could be used of God to provoke Jews to jealousy. As I said earlier, we're going to, God willing, go kind of slowly through chapter 11. Because once you get to chapter 12, here's how the Bible in many books, including Romans, is laid out. you got the doctrinal part. That's pretty much Romans chapters 1 through 8. Great doctrine. How you're saved, how you're justified, etc. And then once you get to chapters 9, 10, and 11, now the focus is on what country, what nation? Israel. Okay. Israel in the past, Romans 9. Israel present, Romans 10. Israel in the future, Romans 11. That's why we not know, we want to know and need to study about end times prophecy. Anybody love end times prophecy? Also called eschatology. Study biblical end times. events? I love it. So God has a plan for the people, in the nation of Israel. That's what chapter 11 is about. And most Christians I've discussed with, including Bible teachers, are kind of clueless when it comes to that. But it's right here in the scriptures. So we want to slowly part the pages and go through this. So today we're going to predominantly look at God using you and I to provoke Jews to jealousy. So how can you do this? Number one, be a disciple of Jesus and obey him. It's That sounds like too easy then, right? Okay, I thought I'd have to be studied up. Yeah. But this is a Jewish Messiah. Be a follower of this Jesus Messiah. Don't be, oh, I want to have a, you know, my fire insurance. Let me just pray and confess my sins. I don't want to repent because I don't want him as Lord. I just want him as Savior. I want that fire insurance. So when I die, I get to go to heaven. That's not a disciple. Maybe that person gets in-ish. You kind of don't know. Why? Because you look for their what? Fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. So be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. Obey him. If you're taking notes, here's what this Jewish Messiah named Yeshua said. John quotes him in John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you that you, come on, you guys know this, love one another. Love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. And verse 35. By this, by your love for one another, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if, I love how he says if, if you have love for one another. Okay, so in our servant group, our servant team, we're discussing uh, and wanted to dig in depth for Bible study and research. Contextually, when you lay this out, who was the first recipient audience for John 13? Only the disciples of Jesus. He didn't say this to the Pharisees, did he? He say this to the Sadducees, the Herodians, to anybody else? No. He said this to his Jewish followers, these disciples. If you want to lay it out, pretty much the 12 disciples. So by those crazy 12 guys that were there first, for some of them, you got Simon the Zealot, and you've got Matthew Levi. Who was he before following Jesus? What did he do? He was a tax collector. Simon the Zealot, if not for Jesus, would have wanted to kill someone like Matthew Levi, a tax collector. But under the umbrella of Yeshua Messiah, they're now one. They're to focus on unity. By your love for one another. No longer wanting to kill each other. No longer squabbling with one another. Like Peter and all those guys. I'm going to be the best in the kingdom. (laughs) But by your love for one another. And what kind of love? I love the fact that he defines this. Look again in John 13, verse 34. As I have loved you. Oh, you're killing me, Jesus. Just like you love me, and he loved them to the end, is what the scriptures show. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Contextualize the text. Don't just strip it out of this context. By disciples of Jesus, who had already left house and home, even businesses. I went over this in like Mark 1 with my family, how uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, they used to partner together in family fishing businesses. They would have left, like, dad and their boats and everything to follow Jesus. Now, I'm not saying to go quit your job, sell your house. But these are people that have already left everything, and it's it's either do or die. i got to go forward following Messiah. It wasn't just a lousy commitment. It, this is a, like, a lifelong commitment to following him as rabbi, my teacher, my rabbi, this Messiah. And him saying, within that context, by you loving one another, you're going to prove to the world that you're my follower. So for us today, that term Christian, built within that term, the English definition of that, you're a Christ follower with that term Christian. But you walk around this neighborhood, there are a lot of Christians. And yet they're not born again Christians. So it's it's kind of lost its its connotation here of what it meant. That I would be a follower of Jesus. So by you being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, having that crazy kind of love for one another, that's the start of it. Others will see that and they'll think, wait a second, Simon the Zealot, you were committed to killing guys like Matthew Levi and you want to love this guy? What's wrong with you? And that will stir up maybe the heart, maybe questions. Yeah, but this guy, Yeshua, he's Messiah. He gave me a new life, a new heart, a new hope, a new outlook. Everything's new. I want to love him. Man, I got to get to know this Jesus. I can't even get along with my wife, my coworker, my neighbor. And you want to love someone that you were committed to killing? Wow. So the context is awesome when you learn these things in Scripture. And that's what God could use. So as you and I learn to love one another here in the body of Messiah, this is where we practice. By you and I learning, being a follower of Jesus and learning to love one another, accepting each other for all our crazy faults. Because we got this crazy mixed up family that's called the body of Christ. Any of you know that? Okay, one guy knows it. Anybody else know that? (laughs) Okay, think about this. Just like these first disciples, I imagine Jesus, he he wouldn't be like you and me. I'd be like, oh, Father, do I really got to put up with these 12 dudes? These guys, they think they're going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Don't they see? It's going to be me. <laughs> that's what Jesus would think in my head. But, of course, he wouldn't say that. He'd be in sin. <laughs> so as you and I learn to love your Jewish friends, you got to practice here, man. If That's why if you don't serve God, you don't, Love one learn to love one another within the body of Christ and practice here. It's going to be extremely hard out there, isn't it? But if you do it and you're just automatically flowing, I see it all the time. Just yesterday even in the place where I work at, uh, being able to, to love people and it just flows naturally. I don't have, I don't go looking for it. Just I'm, I'm wanting to follow Jesus and obey him in whatever environment he puts me in. So learn to love your Jewish friends. But practice here in the body of Christ. Be a disciple of Jesus. Obey what he's telling you. And that when you're loving your Jewish friends, that alone can provoke them to jealousy. Because when you're discussing with Jews, and many times they're either shut you down or wanting to maybe argue and debate with you. Like, yeah, but look what you guys did through the centuries. And that kind of, they know that that'll kill a lot of conversations. But you respond with love and grace. They don't know how to respond to that. And God could use that to provoke them to jealousy, that they want to emulate you. Like, there's nothing in Torah that will teach me this. It's an eye for an eye. But you're saying that you want to love me. I'm not accepting that. That's crazy. Because for centuries, I was taught and my family's family is taught that Gentiles hated Christians. Or hated the Jews. And that they think Hitler's a a Christian. Some of you guys don't know that. Right? (laughs) Think about that. That's where our family's coming from. Hitler was not part of us. But that's what they think of us. So be a disciple of Jesus and obey him. Especially loving one another. Second thing I want to say. Just a practical pointer of how you could be used by God. To provoke Jews to jealousy. Use Jewish terms when you talk with them. This is something that through the years I've tried to. God willing, help you and I to say and do. So again, instead of Christ, when you're talking with them, what term can you use? Messiah. Don't think, I mean, when I first started using that term, I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I was rejecting him like Peter. (laughs) It's not that. That's their term. You're saying the same thing. It's the same title. But they've been taught that that term, when they hear Christ or Christian, it's like they're thinking, ooh, the Holocaust. Ooh, killing Jews. Right away they're gonna shut you down maybe. So instead of Christ, say Messiah. Study the Old Testament. Study it. How many books in the Old Testament? 39. 39. So we call it Old Testament. What do the Jews call it? No, the Tanakh. The Tanakh. T-A-N-A-K-H. The Tanakh. So when I'm speaking with a Jew, I gotta be careful. I had to catch myself a couple times. I know I'm thinking like Old Testament. Then that's a teacher in me, but, oh, the Tanakh. Oh, okay. So you're not saying offensive words to them. You tell a Jew Old Testament that's trying to still keep the law, to them it's not old, is it? Right away they shut you down. Okay, conversation over. You're trying to convert me. They'll do that. So speak to them with Jewish terms. You know how I learned this? It wasn't by reading a book. It's by reading the book. When you study the Gospels, what's the most Jewish Gospel? Matthew. The king of the Gospels is put first in the Gospels. Matthew's approach to telling the similar stories that you find in what we call the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's different. He, he doesn't tell a similar linear story. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, Matthew's considered more Jewish. He quotes something like 50-something times out of the Tanakh, the Old Testament. And his, his method is basically, this is what the prophecy says. This is where it's fulfilled through Yeshua. And he puts Jesus as king, as Messiah. He may say certain things being a little more sensitive to the Jewish audience. You need to know that. He starts off his gospel with something that you and I might go, okay, the first chapter, is turn the page. What do we call that? Genealogy. The genealogy. To the Jews, they want to know those things. Okay, prove to me that this guy that you call Yeshua, that you say he's Messiah, he was supposed to be a son of David. Prove that. He was supposed to be from Abraham. Prove that. So it's not a boring thing. Okay, skip those. There's too many names. I can't pronounce those. Skip that. Turn the page. Go to chapter two. That's how you and I might look at that. But the reason why he puts that there, he's ministering as a Jew, ministering to the Jews. Okay. So what I'm saying is when you study something like that, you realize he's trying to reach the Jews on their terms, at their level. You need to go there too. Even for me, being a, a Gentile Christian, yes. If I could do it, you can too. So I encourage you, Reach them through using Jewish terminology. Uh, the approach of Matthew will be to describe things a little differently than the others. Uh, the book of Hebrews, some would say arguably is the most Jewish book. It sounds weird to say, the most Jewish book in the New Testament. Book of Hebrews, thirteen chapters. And when the writer of Hebrews points out something that you and I call the temple, the temple isn't mentioned. What's mentioned? The tabernacle. I love that. So I study the tabernacle. So you dig into what you and I call the Old Testament. And it's the book of Hebrews is rich. When you mine it, you see there's a lot of Jewishness there, a lot of Judaism. And it'll help you, by the way, if you're studying the book of Hebrews, to study also Torah, Okay, the first five books of the Bible, also called the Pentateuch, because you'll understand the book of Hebrews more. And by the way, when you're studying the book of Hebrews, you get to study one main chapter of many, but one main chapter in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 16. What's that chapter about? In this church, you're going to hear this over and over. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the most, let's say, uh, the one chapter in the entire Tanakh or Old Testament of all the chapters that points you more to Jesus Christ and Him crucified than any other chapter in the entire, arguably in any other chapter. Why? Because when you study it in this depth and detail, you study the entire tabernacle, you see that only one person, who is that? The high priest on that one day, what day do we call that? Yom Kippur or Day of Atonement goes into that one place. What's that one place called? The Holy of Holies. Holy of Holies. So when you study that and you're talking with Jews, that's the height of Judaism. Okay. Uh, the law of laws, Leviticus 16, the, the thing that even someone that's a Jew that doesn't, it's like a backslidden Jew. They'll work any day, but they won't work on Yom Kippur. And if you guys know Jews like that, they're cursed up a storm. <laughs> they even talk like a bad mouth Gentile, but they won't work on Yom Kippur. Why? Because mom and dad taught me. <laughs> so knowing this, the Jewishness of the Hebrew Scriptures, you can study and learn the tactics, the strategies that God empowered them in the New Testament. Especially study the book of Hebrews and, and the writer's approach in trying to reach the Hebrew Christians. And those that haven't yet received Yeshua as Messiah. So his approach was to bring out these things that are rich in the, the old, what you and I call Old Testament. Okay. We missed some of that today in the Gentile church. So speak to Jews using Jewish terms. Again, don't call it the Old Testament. Call it what? The Tanakh. Okay. T-A-N-A-K-H. The Tanakh. Okay. And you can say Torah. You and I say Pentateuch. That's also that, that's, you can say the same thing, but Pentateuch for you and as Gentiles means something. To them, it's also, oh, okay, stay away. You can say Torah, T-O-R-A-H, Torah. You could even talk about the Sabbath. And I'm not saying you need to keep Sabbath or keep Torah. That's not the point at all. It's to be able to be used by the Lord to provoke the Jews to jealousy. Why? That they may be saved. Also, I want to say serve the Lord. Serve the Lord publicly. By serving the Lord, what you'll be doing is you're training yourself to stop focusing so much on what self. Any, any of you guys know that that's the problem. Once you're born again Christian, one of the problems is someone gets in the way of you following Jesus as Lord. Who is that? Okay, husband and wife don't point to each other. Okay, <laughs> that's many times is self. And Jesus said, you want to be a disciple of my wife? My wife, she was like pointing like this. (laughs) You know why? Because she says, when you point this way, you got face three pointing back at you. So she points like this. (laughs) Thanks a lot. (laughs) So by serving the Lord, Jesus said, you want to be my disciple, my follower? Luke 9, verse 23. Give you a three-step program. What does he say? Deny self. Second, take up your cross daily and follow me. Okay? So serve the Lord. Uh, it'll get you in practice. I need to, too. And if any of you wants to, and you're ready to serve the Lord publicly here, let me know. So let's get back to Romans 11, verse 11. Again, thank you for your patience and your grace here, wanting to um, slowly go through. The teacher me wants to just run right through. The pastor in me and me, the equipper, wants to help us to understand this more. Keep, keep uh, me in prayer if you would. But in, here in verse 11, again, let's read this again. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? In verse 11, the word fall in English is mentioned twice. But they're different words in the original Greek language. He says, certainly not, but through their fall, this is the second time, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So in comparison, the second Greek word used for fall, you see here in verse 11, certainly not, but through their fall, that word for fall could also speak of a lapse or a side slip. a lapse, a lapse. Through their lapse, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. That needs to be pointed out because we might think just reading it in the English translation in the Thomas Nelson New King James Version Bible, you might think it's the exact same word. It's not. The second word used, lapse. Through their Lapse. So you might say that you and I right now are living in the lapse, and you don't have time. Don't think like, oh, this has been going on for 2000 years. I got time. The flesh wants to tell you that the devil wants to tell you that. But the spirit of God will tell you, no, you're living in this lapse of time. We'll get into it later on at the end of the chapter, what that means more and more. So God is pausing his focus during this time. Instead of the focus being entirely or primarily on the Jews, there's a lapse of time whereby which now God's focusing primarily on getting Gentiles saved. You and I are living in this lapse of time. And it's important for you and I to know that we're living in this lapse. So during this lapse of time, God's focusing not so much on the Jews. Instead, he's primarily focusing on you and I as Gentiles receiving this Jewish Messiah, why? You need to know also that he might use you and me to provoke Jews to jealousy. Again, not sin of jealousy, to emulation. Because they may look at you and go, why are you studying my scriptures more than me? I only did this because I had to. And you're doing this because you say you love my God? That's crazy. You guys are idol worshippers. They'll look at Gentiles like us. They'll think... Many of them, they, they think, because they'll hear that we believe in a trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. Many of them think, you guys know, that that we're polytheists, that we think there's three gods or more gods. And so right away, they shut things off in communication. So they look at us as idolaters, as polytheists. It's not so. So God saves Gentiles. Why? Well, I love the fact that like when you go to a place, they might ask you, like, my kids and I, we went out fishing the other day. We went to, I think it was Dunkin' Donuts and we got like the sandwiches. And then the person at the counter asked, do you want some, I mean, what do you call those things? Hash browns. Oh, you know, <laughs> hash browns. <laughs> yeah. They, that's called upsell. They do it at McDonald's, right? And we're there. I'm like, uh, does it come with it? No. And I'm, I was with my kids. We're tired. Like we're hungry. Like, yeah. Okay. Throw it in. <laughs> but for you and I, Through salvation, he sort of upsizes it. You don't have to pay for it, though. It's already paid through Yeshua. And what is that? That he gives you a ministry during this lapse of time that you're living in to provoke the Jews to jealousy. Part of the reason why he got you saved isn't just that, oh, I need more people to fill up my kingdom, fill up heaven. No, he also wants to provoke his chosen people, his elect children. That's not you and I. He's talking about... The gen, or the uh, Jewish nation, Israel, provoking them to jealousy through you and I. Yes, he elected us individually, but predominantly chapters 9, 10, 11 of Romans is speaking of God's chosen people. What nation is that again? Israel, not America, Israel. So when God saves you and I as Gentiles, is to provoke Jews to jealousy. Why? So that some Jews might get saved as well. Think about this. Let that stir up your heart. That maybe you'll have compassion for Jews. Maybe you'll feel empathy, some of us might say. Because it's their Messiah. It's their scriptures. Think about this. Even when you study the biblical languages, we're studying their language, Hebrew. That's awesome to think. So during this time, this lapse of time, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Gentiles are being saved through this Jewish Messiah. Jesus is his name. If you want to use his name, you could even say what? To Jews. Yeshua or Yehoshua. Joshua's the name, like my son's name. This lapse of time that you and I currently enjoy is called the fullness of the Gentiles. Now, we're going to get into that later on. You could read ahead. That's verse 25. That's huge to know. We'll cover that later on. It's called the fullness of the Gentiles. Basically, it's this. God has a certain number of Gentiles that are going to be saved. If that's someone here, please pray, repent from your sins. I don't know who that might be. Most of you guys I know and you're saved. But if that's someone here or someone you know, help them to pray and repent from their sins. That the time of this fullness of Gentiles comes in the set number that God has. Then it's done. You and I are living in this lapse of time where God's no longer focusing primarily on the Jews, but on Gentiles getting saved. And Gentiles getting saved, that he might provoke some of the Jews to jealousy that they can get saved as well. And then when the set number that only God knows of us Gentiles getting saved, when that number gets full, the fullness of the Gentiles is found in verse 25, then we believe what will happen is what's called the rapture of the church. Jesus is going to come for his bride. That's what the Bible teaches. The fullness of the Gentiles. So God has an exact number of Gentiles he wants to get saved. Let's let's continue reading, and we're going to have to close here. Verse 12, Now if their fall is richest for the world, and their failure richest for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. So if this fall or this lapse of the Jews is a blessing for the world, then how much more of a blessing will it be to the world when the Jews are restored? Think about this. So we, we don't want to be haughty about, it. look, yes, I'm God's elect chosen children. I've talked to some people who are like that. They got that prideful, the sin of pride kind of attitude. God chose me. Yes, he chose you, but realize this is a God that had his only begotten son, Jesus, who wasn't a Gentile. He was a Jew. We'll get into that later on in the chapter. So let's remember that the Jews will be restored. They'll be restored more fully than they are now. But you and I don't have time. And so what does that mean? Well, first of all, let's, let's all stand. We gotta close. I'm gonna close with a word of prayer here. I'm gonna have to just pause at this point because of time. What this means, I want to encourage you to keep being preachers of the gospel. The good news of salvation through this Jewish Messiah named Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth, that you and I would continue to be his followers, that you would continue to preach the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ and that your life would preach, not just your mouth and your words, that your life would show. And then even as you share with Jews, remember some of them might get angry. Some of them might get enraged. You might sit there and go, Oh Lord, you're showing me what Paul went through, but don't respond in the flesh. Respond how In the spirit with God's grace. That means you're going to, you and I are going to have to cry out to the Lord for his help, for his empowerment. Amen? Let's just remember that. So let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you. Lord, thank you for your holy word. And we thank you, Lord, that someone like Paul was used by you to teach us, the, the apostles of the Gentiles. He's the apostle for us. Even showing us that by his words and also the example that we could be used by you, Lord, to stir up the Jews to jealousy. That this Jewish Messiah that we believe in, that we love. This Bible that contains the Hebrew Scriptures that we read and love and teach and preach through its entirety. This comes from them. All these blessings that you gave to them, Lord, that we've believed and received and you open up our understanding. We thank you and we praise you for that. But we ask now, Father, for... The empowerment of your spirit that we could be used by you to minister to your chosen people, Israel. That for the Jews that we now know that are maybe co-workers, bosses, friends, neighbors. People that we know right now and people that you'll introduce us to, God. Give us open doors that we can share with them. That when they see the love that we have for one another, including love for them. Oh Lord empower us by your spirit that we could respond with grace that when they see that love that grace that mercy that you've given us and you've given us for them that you might stir them up you might provoke them to jealousy but we need your empowerment Lord use us today God help us to minister to Jews and Gentiles around us but we need your empowerment Lord empower us We pray to you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.